This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Welcome to the program. Welcome to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon with Frank and Josh. I'm Harry Hurley filling in today for Jimmy, who you know has to be I, – I tell this about my friend Brian Kilmeade. Jimmy Fallon has to be one of the busiest people in our industry between being a national syndicated broadcaster, Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It's in the title. Stand-up comedian, terrific, one of the hardest – Jobs, I can only speak that it is. I could never even attempt. My goodness, it's one of the toughest jobs in America. Stand-up comedian, author, and, of course, you see Jimmy all throughout the day and night on the Fox News channel uh, as a Fox News contributor. Honored to fill in today for Jimmy. He'll be back right after the holiday, and great to work with Frank and with Josh. We have a busy news day ahead for you, and it just seems like the place we should begin not just because, what, it's uh, New Year's Eve, 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 but because it is an absolute catastrophe. We're ending the year with a migrant surge. Right around Christmas, the number's over a couple of days, 35,000. Don't forget that some of those days were over 12,000. I think one day was like 12,600. And keep in mind, we're the most compassionate nation in the history of the world, but this is not legal immigration. You know, when people try to put people down that say this is bad for the country, we don't know who all these folks are. In some cases, they're being given ICE notices to come back in the year 2031, in the year 2023. And don't forget, there's a, there's a long line to do it the right way. I think all of us have known good people that have come to this country, that work, that have to leave and go back home for a determined amount of time and then can come back and, and have to go back again. And this can take seven and more years to do it the legal way. And then what? People can just show up and, and demand of President Biden. They, they come with their list of demands. It's, it's outrageous. Not to mention there's X number we don't even know that they're here. Even the people we know that they're here and we give them a notice to come back in eight years, we don't know much about them at all, but at least we saw them and we gave them an ICE notice to come back in seven, eight years and more. The other thing that always I think is just so, um, I don't want to use the word interesting because maybe alarming, certainly deeply concerning, why does it seem that it is young adult male as the predominant demographic? Why would that be? Why would that be the case? If this is families fleeing oppression and threats and all kinds of things, that's one thing. But 
just next time you get a chance to look and you can't miss it, you, you can only go to the Fox News channel because the rest of the Democrat media purposely won't show it to you. But check it out when you've got my friend Griff Jenkins and Bill Malusian and people like that that have done incredible reporting over the past three plus years. And you can see mostly young male as the predominant demographic. But let your heart not be troubled to go biblical. John Kirby to the rescue because he shared uh, just a little bit ago that not to worry because our secretary of state and our homeland security secretary, they're going to travel to Mexico. So I guess I guess that means everything is fine. Josh, cut 12. President Biden has asked Secretary of State Tony Blinken, Secretary of Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas, and White House Homeland Security Advisor Liz Sherwood Randall to travel to Mexico in coming days to meet with President Lopez Obrador and his team to discuss further actions that can be taken together to address current border challenges. Now, you know their company line. Their company line is that they inherited a broken border. They used to blame just Trump. Now it's desperate time. So they they just blame decades now. It's been broken for decades. Well, let's remember, when you have three years to fix something, you own it at that point. When you do away with policies that were in effect and were working, such as remain in Mexico, what are we going to do? Are we going to have to endure a Corrine Jean-Pierre, Admiral John Kirby joint press conference, daily briefing of sorts, where they're going to say they have an agreement with President Lopez Obrador and the Remain in Mexico policy that they couldn't wait for day one to get rid of that worked. Because remember, if folks would have remained in Mexico, we bring them into the United States at a time of our choosing. And maybe that time we don't choose. It doesn't happen. And therefore, we don't get saddled with the problems that it that it places on our social services, on our health care at all. So Corinne Jean-Pierre, who has said such utterances as no president, meaning Biden, no president has ever done more for border security. I mean, they say these things with a straight face reading from that thousand pound book binder. Josh, cut 13. I mean, look, we asked for more border patrol, right? And he was able to get 24,000 more border patrol folks, uh, law enforcement folks at the border. That's unprecedented. We asked for more. And you got uh, Republicans uh, in Congress who, especially in the House, who want to cut that. They actually want to do the opposite of what the president is trying to do. And so, look, the president has done everything that he can, right, uh, on, on his own. Wow. So let's start with we were able to get 24,000 more Border Patrol folks and then repeated and said law enforcement folks at the border. Does anybody believe that? Does anybody believe that the Biden administration has placed 24,000 more Border Patrol folks at the border? And then they go on to say that's unprecedented and we've asked for more. Oh, really? You really have. You really want to say that. So then when backed into a corner, you'll always get the answer that they inherited a broke system. They used to only say from Trump. Now they say a longer period in time. And that's because we're inside, what, about 10 months? You know, you think about 
that the year is 2023, but we're days away from 2024, and the election is first Tuesday in November. So we're not even, what, 10 months, less than 10 months from choosing the next president of the United States. Everything I've said so far has been fact, not opinion talk. I'll give you an opinion because you can't – this hasn't happened yet, but I think it's going to happen. You're going to see a fake-out where they're going to pretend that they are doing unprecedented things. They'll use the word unprecedented, which Corinne Jean-Pierre, everybody has little pet words, comfort, comfort words that they, that they fall back on. Unprecedented is one of her favorites. We've done more. The president has done more than any other this or that. Unprecedented. You're always going to get, as Joe Biden would call it, hyperbole with this outfit. Now, we know that had Biden, President Biden, left the Trump policies in effect, we would not have the millions and millions and millions of migrants in our country. And of course, remember now, this all allowed the um, the cartels to up the drug trade, fentanyl, etc. It allowed them to up their human trafficking game. I vividly remember an interview that that we did with Bill Malusian where he talked about they actually had wristbands on the migrants that were coming into the country. The cartel, like it was an amusement day at, at Disney World or, or some big park where you get the or a concert, you get the wristband. I mean, this is the, the degree to which they had this thing wired, taking full advantage of this president's decided policy. Because remember, even when it's a bad policy, it's a strategy. You might disagree with what happened in Afghanistan. Biden had a, had a doctrine. He had a strategy. For some reason, it was military come home first and American people come home last. And in the middle, oh, uh, Taliban, you can keep billions of dollars worth of American might. Vehicles and helicopters and weapons and so forth. That You may disagree with that. I do, strenuously. But it was a strategy. The open border of Biden is a strategy. The only thing we can't prove is what is the strategy. It seems to me that the strategy is simple. Inundate America with millions and millions and millions of migrants. And then you say that we're compassionate. We're the greatest country in the history of the world. And we take care of our own and that they are Americans that we must make them legal. And of course, oh, by the way, they have to be able to vote. And they won't even have to say that. That, that It'll just be implied. Uh, if you notice, many of the states now have, when you get a driver's license, you automatically are registered to vote. Some states call it motor voter. Different states have different names. But what's the point there? So if you think it through to its logical conclusion, the point is simple. It is get in here, you'll get all the benefits and then some. Remember, these illegal migrants have better benefits than our veterans, our homeless veterans. They're in fine hotels, three meals a day, health care benefits, 
cell phones, whatever they need, because that's the greatness of America. We take care of our own. Remember, the census is done by persons in the country. These will all count. Whatever some thinks, think it's 5 million, some say it's 7 million, some people believe it's twice that many. We don't know. They don't know. And they lie about everything, so whatever number they tell us, you can't believe it. It's more. It's just a matter of do you double it, do you triple it, whatever. They tell you that number is, is, is going to be incorrect because that's they've made a, a career out of this, of telling us one thing when the exact opposite is the truth. I mean, we could go into all the President Biden stuff, never talk to his son about his business dealings, never met with any of the people, never talked to any of them. And, of course, all of that with the, the great work that Jim Comer and – Jim Jordan have done in both judiciary and oversight. I mean, the amount of information that has come out is is staggering. Tony Popolinsky and, and others will tell you. And, and so will the bank records tell you that everything they said was a lie and that, in fact, the exact opposite was the truth. Remember, in the run up to the 2020 election, if you said that X number of illegal migrants were coming, you'd be deplatformed suspended for a certain period of time, deplatformed altogether. If you said the Hunter Biden laptop was real, you would be deplatformed. You would be penalized. And they made the truth a lie and the lie a truth. And, and away we went. And then finally, as it always does, it usually takes a, a bit of time. But the truth becomes self-evident. And then you find out, hey, wait a minute, the Hunter Biden laptop is all all accurate, even though sometimes he denies it and sometimes he admits to it. So that that's a little bit all over the place as well. But on the um, most recent situation that's well documented by the Fox News Channel and by Fox News Radio, an estimated 8,000 migrants are headed right now to the U.S.-Mexico border. So this will be the largest number in more than a year, even though we have had over 12,000 in one day. But this is an, is an organized caravan did you ever wonder where do they get all the food and, and how do they – because sometimes you're traveling a great many miles and some of it amphibian at the end. It's not all over land. How do, how do they get here? You know, in the days of Obama-Biden, people would say that they would drop leaflets, you know, for aerial drops and it would have maps on how to get here. And then there is coaching of exactly what you need to say. You need to say that you are afraid, that you fear for your life. I mean, they have set things that then welcome and come on in. So these migrants, and again, take a look at the uh, Fox News coverage. It's excellent. And you will see again, it appears from what I've seen, again, mostly young male in terms of the demographic. And it appears they're coming from mostly Cuba, Haiti, Honduras. They set out on, what, Christmas Eve, I believe it was. So they walk this this trip, this one trip, the last leg uh, from the Mexican southern border is about nine miles. And then they're here, and then we let them in. Some have come as far away as Bangladesh, India, and elsewhere. So this is the largest caravan since June of 2022. 
And you might remember that was right before President Biden hosted the Summit of the Americas in um, Los Angeles. So this is really important because you you may remember during Obama-Biden, Jay Johnson, who I didn't agree with uh, in, in many areas, but I always felt that he had integrity. You know, he look, he's working for a president that has a philosophy of governance. It's different than most people, perhaps, that listen to Jimmy's program. Some Look, some people agree that this is what we should be doing, but this is not. This is not what we should be doing. We should be doing legal immigration in the way that has made this country great for nearly, what, 250 years. That you come here legally, that you do the things that are required, and then a decision is made. You take a test. A decision is made if you will receive citizenship. That's not what's happening now. This is an inundation of our system in a way that is unsustainable, clearly. I mean, you just can't, you can't keep up with this. So we'll have Anthony Blinken. We will have Alejandro Mayorkas. And then we will see. We will see what they say. I think they're going to say things that look good for an election season, but that they don't really mean it because they haven't done it in three years Why are they going to do it now? We'll be right back. Don't go away. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. You're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Welcome back to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon with Frank and Josh. Harry Hurley filling in today for Jimmy, who will be back right after the holiday. When we come back and stay with us, this is going to be really something John Tyker is a general. He is running for the U.S. Senate in Maryland. A lot of people think about Maryland, maybe almost like New Jersey. It's like automatically you think blue, which I hate that red and blue stuff because they made us red and blue states and then divide us by saying we're red and blue. It's awful. When Reagan won the presidency, they colored his states in blue, not red. And they colored a lot of them blue that night. This general... His pedigree is unbelievable, and he joins Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon next. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I'm working today with Frank and Josh, and it is my... Distinct privilege to do so. Jimmy will be back uh, very, very soon, right after the holiday. What a honor this is. Uh, I, I, I want to spend just a quick moment, but an important moment, just sharing some of our impressive guests' incredible background. General John Tykert is our guest. He's on the Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon Newsmaker Hotline. 
after graduating from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology and Stanford University, the general entered the U.S. Air Force, and he didn't enter as a general, but he became a general, uh, as an F-15E combat pilot. He would go on to serve as an F-22 test pilot and eventually lead as commander of Joint Base Andrews, the commander of Edwards Air Force, Air Force Base, and the nation's senior defense official in Iraq. General Tykert ended his service in the Air Force as Assistant Deputy Undersecretary of the Air Force International Affairs. During his career, he logged over 2,000 flight hours in 38 different aircraft types. General, welcome to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Honored to present you, sir. Harry, it is an absolute joy to join you. Thank you. I, don't, I mean, people say this and overuse it. You're a great American. My goodness, you're exactly the kind of person we need to run for the Congress, and you have decided you're a U.S. Senate candidate from Maryland. I am, Harry. It, it's a uh, tough road out here in liberal Maryland, <laughs> but I think people are sufficiently frustrated with the way things are going. And I hopped out of the military because I need to support and defend the Constitution of the United States and wrestle our nation back to where it belongs. And the first step in doing so is winning this Senate seat in Maryland and flipping the entire United States Senate as a result. General, what are the big issues? I mean, people think I, I come from New Jersey, so, you know, everybody believes that's a blue state. But I will tell you, every other election cycle, typically a Republican becomes the governor. Uh, Maryland, it's not impossible for a Republican. You're not you're 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 smart. I mean, you're a leader. You're not running to lose. Maryland will elect a Republican to the United States Senate. They're capable of doing that, aren't they? Harry, you're absolutely right. And people are thirsting for leadership these days. They've seen what's happened when politicians have been running our country, and they're pretty disgusted by it. They're looking for leadership and a leader. That's what I have to offer. And I think they're also looking for people that have real solutions to the problems that they face every single day. And that's what I'm achieving as well. I have to throw this in because I'm a big fan. Uh, Chesapeake Bay, Maryland Blue Crabs, I mean, just a wonderful part. I come from the Atlantic City area. We have amazing blue crabs. Yours seem to be bigger, I have to say. Uh, so very, very famous, quite a trading port. Uh, I love what was done with the Baltimore Inner Harbor, where people thought that that was an area that could never be revitalized. It shows you, though, when you apply the right talent, and you can you can speak to this as a general because generals figure things out. You, you develop strategies to win, not to lose, because losing has such tremendous consequence. Baltimore, I think, is an example of an area that some people thought was just you got to just let it go. It's sacrificed. It's gone. Baltimore was revitalized, and the Inner Harbor area, as you know, in particular. So, Harry, you're right, and Maryland is an incredible state, and Baltimore is known as Charm City. And you're right, the inner city there or the inner harbor in Baltimore is an incredible place, but the rest of the people that live in Baltimore need to also live in an incredible place. And they're suffering under economic challenges and crime challenges and educational challenges. We need someone that can take a real plan into the United States Senate representing the great state of Maryland and help wrestle this place back again to where it belongs. General, people are used to hearing things like U.S. Senator Chris Van Hollen and things like that. What what would you say to the term Senator John 
Tykert. Harry, I think it sounds great, but not because I'm trying to achieve something for myself, but just like I did for 33 years serving our country in the United States military and the United States Air Force, I'm doing this to support and defend the Constitution of the United States. We should be appalled at how far we have drifted from our foundational principles. We need people to bring us back in a revival of those principles, and I'm doing it not because I want to hear my name as U.S. Senator, but because we need to return back to a foundation that is incredible based on those founding principles that we have enjoyed for so long in this country. You could easily, with your pedigree, do something else. You you don't have to do this. You wanted to do this. Why did you put your name on the ballot? Why are you running for the United States Senate? Harry, it goes back to when I first took my oath of office to support and defend the Constitution of the United States as a 17-year-old in Cambridge, Massachusetts. I happened to do so alongside of a particularly attractive another cadet who has been my wife for 25 years. We've got three incredible kids, and all of us have or will take that same oath because it runs in the family. And for the rest of my life, just like for the first half of my life, I'm going to fulfill that oath in the best way possible to maximize my impact on people in our nation. And this is the first next right step for me to achieve that. We've had, as you know, millions of people come to this country over the past three years that did not come through the the route of legal immigration. They chose to just come here and were let in and have been allowed to stay. And some of them have notices to report to their next appointment eight years from now. I mean, some really unworkable, crazy stuff that's going on. We have a estimated 8,000 migrants that are headed right now to the U.S.-Mexico border. No no surprise, big surge right around Christmas time, 35,000. This big surge that's coming, biggest surge since June of 2022, coming right at the end of the year, beginning of the new year. What are your thoughts about how all this is being handled? Harry, we are a nation of immigrants, and I am not surprised that people want to come to this country. But we have a multifaceted crisis that has been prompted by the Biden administration for the last three years because of a border that is out of control. It is a national security crisis. We don't know how many members of Hamas, as an example, are inside the United States. It's a public health crisis. We know that 100,000 Americans are dying from Chinese fentanyl through the Mexican border every single year. We see it as a public safety crisis, and it's a humanitarian crisis. We need to seal and secure the border, and then we need a comprehensive strategy that allows us to bring in or allow people to stay that would be great citizens and contributors to our country. Instead, we have no policy and no strategy, and the border is recklessly open. That's such a good point. That's how a lot of countries, most countries, do their legal immigration. They say, hey, we have a need for maybe nuclear scientists or somebody that's good in this skill set or that. Here it's just the gates are open, and whoever comes in, you know, some of them will will get a notice to, some of them just get in with no paperwork, and, and it is absolutely against everything that we were founded. We're the, and I agree with you completely. We're a beautiful nation of legal immigration, but this isn't that, General. It is not, and we just see the heartbreaking examples of people that are trying to get to this country because it's unclear what our policy is on any given day. We don't communicate it. We haven't simplified it. Like you said, it takes years to even run through the traps of deciding if someone can stay or not stay. It is not a system 
that is fitting for the United States of America in a place that people want to come from all over the world. We need to be good stewards of those resources and come up with a comprehensive immigration policy that includes a sealed border. You are listening to General John Tykert. He is running for the United States Senate, uh, wants to become the senator from Maryland. In terms of issues, is this a big issue in Maryland, the, the migration? Harry, it is. As I talk to people all around the state, as I talk to sheriffs all around the state, they can pinpoint the problems in the economy and in education and certainly in public safety back to the fact that there is this open border where up to 10,000 people or so come every single day. And we can't get a nationwide handle on this problem. And it spreads fentanyl throughout our country and public safety and crime throughout our country. And we are seeing it here in Maryland. And it is a very big issue. Other than maybe having been vice president before, and for a lot of reasons, that's obviously a a pretty nice path to then become president. You either could become the president if something happened to the president as vice president or run in the future. So it's been a very that's why no one in the history of the country, they always talk about, oh, I'll never accept it. No one's ever turned down in the history of America being asked to be the vice president, even though it gets put down all the time, not a warm bucket of spit. You know, all these things, General, that have been said, but no one's ever turned it down. What I'm getting at, though, isn't just the vice presidency and succeeding to the presidency through either ascending to it or winning election yourself sometime in the future. Other than vice president, general, I believe, is the the most often position held to become the commander in chief. And, and I'm not doing this to throw you a big sweet meatball, but I believe this. It's tr- for me, it's transferable. A general who solves things create strategies and just has to come through under immense pressure. For me, there's something very transferable when I think about a general becoming the president. And I, I, I think you're going to agree with that, but I throw you the question because you are a general and were a general, and it gives you a chance to expand on how those skill sets serve in higher office, Senate and even beyond. Harry, we have the benefit in our country of the military continuing to be an institution that is oozing with credibility amongst the American public. And generals, those that have risen to the top of the military service, have had a lot of real experience in a meritocracy finding ways to achieve the mission with a variety of stakeholders. That sounds like a skill set that we need in Washington, D.C. that is sorely lacking. And it's certainly true that we have seen great examples of leaders from the military use that passion for our country and the skill sets and experiences that they developed over the course of time in a variety of positions to further benefit our country. And frankly, that's my desire here as I retired a year ago, leading international affairs for the Air Force and using those skill sets of command and leadership and working with stakeholders to solve problems and find uh, solutions to benefit our country for the next 30 years of my life. And the Senate is the first step of that journey. There's no doubt in my mind, General, that the system's broken right now. The two sides don't get along at all, even though they differed on different issues. I've seen it just during my broadcasting career when the two parties got along very, very well, and particularly out of the eye 
of the American people, dining together, uh, great collegiality. I remember Orrin Hatch and Ted Kennedy uh, got along really well. Opposites, like odd couple stuff, Tony Randall and Jack Klugman stuff. That's all broken right now. Is it broken permanently or can it be put back together, General? Harry, politicians aren't going to put this problem back together, but leaders can't because leaders are mission oriented and leaders recognize that there's a variety of people that is required to work with in order to actually achieve the tough problems that exist in a variety of areas of our society. And instead of lingering on those things that make us different, let's look at the problem set that's in front of us and let's think through where we have common ground to solve those problems that really are at the forefront of the mind of the American people. And if we get leaders into positions of power that can do that, then we can certainly turn things around from this politician-driven society that has caused so much ruin for the American people over the last several decades. This is Fox Across America, about a two-minute drill. we got a little more than two minutes with retired General John Tykert. He is running for the United States Senate in Maryland. Should you become a United States Senator, General, what do you hope to accomplish? That is a great question, Harry. And first of all, I want the American people to look at somebody or a group of people in Washington, D.C., and see somebody that they can trust to actually solve the real problems that exist in the minds of the American people. There are economic problems, there are educational problems, there are national security problems, and there are public safety problems. And I will focus on the campaign trail and when I win that seat in the United States Senate on those major areas that are concerned to average everyday Americans that they hope to have leaders solve but have been faced with politicians that have been dithering for way too long. It's General John Tykert on Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Final 30 seconds, your experience as an assistant deputy undersecretary and, as you mentioned, your last stint uh, in international affairs, is that the type of experience that you believe is transferable into the United States Senate? All of these leadership elements are certainly transferable, but the national security expertise that I bring, especially in light of the last two assignments of running international affairs for the Air Force and the Space Force, and being the senior defense official in Iraq, I have faced our adversaries across the table and have found ways to find solutions that benefit the American people. And that is a skill set that I intend to bring to the United States Senate that currently doesn't exist in very many places. General, as we say goodbye for now, let me just say that when I hear people say that great candidates won't step forward, they won't put themselves and their families through this type of you know meat grinder that it can be, uh, that, that we can now say that uh, great candidates will step forward because your your resume, your pedigree, uh, it just it it I didn't need my my enthusiasm or love of the country to be to be re-energized, but it really does do that. I, I love seeing someone with your pedigree being willing to run. Harry, our nation, our people deserve good leaders. I would ask that your followers would follow along at TykertForMaryland.com, and I so appreciate you having me on today. Honor to present you, General. Be well. Stay safe. Happy New Year. You as well. Thanks. Thank you, sir. We will be right back because this is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. You're listening to the hottest show in the country. Our country is in serious trouble. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. 
Welcome back to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I'm working today with Frank and Josh. My name is Harry Hurley, filling in today for Jimmy, who will be back very, very soon, right after the holiday. When you have someone like a General John Tyker, you've got to ask the question. Anybody that wants to be in the club of 100 or the club of 435 or total the club of 535, you've got to ask them about what will you do about the migration. You've just got to. And then somebody with a military pedigree, because here's the problem. You've got mayors and, and governors and such of the states that typically are run by Democrats. Let's be honest. It's not an opinion. It's a fact. Take a Chicago mayor like Brandon Johnson. Instead of doing something, instead of putting people who shouldn't be here uh, in the um, the police stations to live, we'll play part of it. We're probably going to run out of time. Josh, cut 15. We have a governor, a governor, an elected official in the state of Texas that is placing families on buses without shoes, cold, wet, tired, hungry, afraid, traumatized, and then they come to the city of Chicago where we have homelessness, we have mental health clinics that have been shut down and closed, you have people who are seeking employment. The governor of Texas needs to take a look in the mirror of the chaos that he is causing for this country. This is not just a Chicago dynamic. He is attacking our country. Can you believe that? These folks that want to be sanctuary cities and states. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Welcome back to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon with Frank and Josh. My name is Harry Hurley filling in today for Jimmy, who will be back in the very near future, right after the holidays. And it's a pleasure to welcome back to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, Liz Peek, Fox News Channel contributor, foxnews.com columnist. Liz, welcome, belated Merry Christmas, and happy almost New Year. <laughs> Thank you, and same to you, and thanks for having me on. It is a pleasure. All kinds of stuff to talk about with uh, literally – the first polls, because all we've heard are what this polling outfit says and that one. But literally, the first votes will be cast and it will be in Iowa. And it yep. appears that Governor DeSantis, he's had to do this. He's had a lot of tough choices to make. You know, you start to, to lose that that inevitability that you were the second guy. Then if you got to the point where it would just be him or you, you could make a go at this thing. But he's had leakage to where now in the most recent RasmussenReports.com poll, uh, Nikki Haley has passed him. And he's tied with Chris Christie, who I think has run a terrible campaign, uh, awful one-dimensional, stupid campaign. They're both at 9 percent. DeSantis was at 20 percent before he was ever a candidate in the same poll. Iowa is everything for him, isn't it? Yeah, he has gone all in. In Iowa, he has visited every single county. I have actually been thinking for a couple of weeks that if he doesn't do well in Iowa, he should withdraw. Uh, and the reason is, look, he's a very successful, effective Florida governor, and this has not been a good campaign for him. He's not done a good job. Uh, I think he's made some mistakes in terms of what 
emphasis he's put on different issues and so forth. But whatever the case, the truth is he's not doing great. And, and, and he has banked everything on Iowa. So if it doesn't go well, it's going to be worse in New Hampshire, by the way. Uh, Nikki That's Haley's correct. definitely surged in the number two there. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think uh, I'm sort of sad for him, honestly, because I think he's a good guy and a good yeah. governor. Uh, and he just from the beginning, it was just clobbered by the liberal media because he was viewed as a more credible candidate than Donald Trump. Uh, and they were and they were afraid of him. So they lambasted him. Yep. And then, of course, Trump piled on. So the guy's gotten uh, no love, that's for sure. Uh, and yeah, I think I think uh, this is it's really and it's very imminent. You know, I mean, there's not much time to turn this around. I totally agree. And you never know in these things because Bill Clinton got in and he thought that there's no way that George H.W. Bush was going to lose people like Al Gore and Dick Gephardt and Mario Cuomo. None of them ran because they all said, oh, my God, he's at like 88, 90 percent in the polls when we have to decide if we're going to get in. So we're going to let him go. He's going to get a second term. Then it'll be an open seat. We'll get in. Then Bill Clinton gets in and lo and behold, he wins. Yeah. Chris Christie yeah, should have. The, the point I'm yeah. trying to make is timing, as you know, in this business is everything. Chris Christie should have run against yeah. Barack Obama. He chickened out. He said, oh, I wasn't ready. Well, nobody's ready to be president. You run. Uh, yeah. He, he could have got a national organization going with the momentum he would have gotten. He was afraid to run. He didn't. Then he ran when he couldn't win. Then he runs again when he couldn't win. Now, I always felt Ron DeSantis should not have run. He's kind of looked upon as somebody who was Trumpian, sort of created, won that very close election, as you know, the first go round. Wouldn't have gotten the nomination without Trump. I thought he ran when he shouldn't run and that he could have made a really good run at this thing when it's the open seat. So I think Christie didn't run when he should have and DeSantis yeah. ran when he shouldn't have. But, of course, it's easy to say after the fact. No, but I think I, I think you're right. Uh, interestingly, in this period, neither one of those had a clear channel to winning. In Christie's case, I always thought it was ridiculous that he was going – into this primary with his sole selling point being that he hates Donald Trump. Right. Okay, when when 80% or whatever it is of the pop of the party is behind the candidate Donald Trump, how do you make an end run around that and end up winning? I don't think he ever intended to win. I don't think he was expected to, but people who hate Donald Trump wanted to finance someone who was willing to go out there and badmouth Trump because let's face it, nobody else has done that. I mean, it's pretty astonishing. Here we are uh, in the 11th hour, and Nikki Haley hasn't really done it. Ron DeSantis had. They've both taken a few swipes at Trump, but no one has really said, hey, this guy could lose. I'm the candidate who definitely could win. And, and to your point, I think you're very smart about Ron DeSantis because he was always sort of a mini-me. And yep. Trump jumped on that. Other candidates jumped on that and sort of pilloried him for that. Uh, you know, it was so I, I think you're right. Um, anyway, here we are. What is it? Uh, 15 days out or something. Yeah, that's right. A little exactly. bit more exactly. than that. I think it is 15. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I think it's going to be very interesting to kind of see, uh, you know, how Iowa goes, whether people finally get when they're finally in the mix there. Are they are they going to say, hey, you know, this isn't what I want. I don't really want Donald Trump to be running again as much as 
uh, you know, I've supported him in the past. I really think it's time for someone else to have a shot. And they gravitate to Haley, who, let's face it, in terms of polling right now, uh, trounces uh, Joe Biden. I mean, Donald Trump's up two or three points. Uh, Haley's up like seven. So that's a big difference. She's also untouched, though. So the, yeah, they'll, I they'll, agree. If I she agree. won, they'd really they 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 take a, a real strong. They'd come after her yeah. pretty big time. But see, what I think has happened is that there are an awful lot of independents and moderate Demo- uh, moderate Republicans out there, maybe even some moderate Democrats who can live with her position on abortion. She's been very clever at staking out kind of a middle ground. Yep. Uh, and they can, they just don't want Donald Trump. So I mean, she I, sort of you know satisfies that that uh, need or whatever. I give her credit for seeing how important, not just because she's a woman, how important this abortion issue is. The abortion issue cost Republicans the Senate majority. They would have had it. And it cost them dozens of seats in the House Mm -hmm. of Representatives. They better have an answer this time. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, I, by the way, I've said for months, in fact, I wrote this several months ago to probably everyone's discomfort that Trump has an opportunity uh, to take also a middle ground here. This is not his issue. Frankly, what we know when he started the 2016 campaign, he didn't even know the language of the abortion issue, if you recall. He got I mean, I, th- I think he was pro-choice then. I really well, do. He wasn't anything. He was yeah. pro-choice. Yeah. But yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't on his By radar. De facto. He's a business right. guy. What he wanted was lower taxes, less regulation, stuff that made the country work better. The social issues really were never his game. And frankly, a lot of Republicans like that. You know, I like that. I don't want to have our party, our our politics totally dominated by social issues. That's how we have this idiot in the White House. I mean, forgive me, but that's not good. No, it's not good. See if this is good. We know that the president uh, went after the strategic oil petroleum reserves to just try to artificially bring down because he had no energy policy. We, we were energy independent. We were a net oil exporter. Next thing you know, we're buying dirtier oil from people who don't like us very much. And, and the price of, you know, a gallon of gasoline goes absolutely bananas. Now, I'll, I'll confess, it's come down a bit. And now they're actually taking advantage of this to buy three million barrels of oil to replace some that they took. You know, I'm one of these people, and I know I've read you for a long time. You and I have done many interviews together. I know you're fair also. I won't say Biden's wrong about everything. The other side, just Trump's wrong if he breathes air. He stole (laughs) it from— Right, he killed a child who didn't get to breathe. So I don't play the game that they play, and I know that you don't either. I agree with this move. I don't think it's a drop in the barrel, but pun intended, but I do agree with this move— to buy three million barrels because you can buy it cheaper than you were selling it. Yeah. yeah. Well, yes. I mean, look, I think it's disgraceful yes. that he invaded the SPR, took it down to the lowest level in 45 years, basically to, to make sure that he wasn't completely clobbered in the midtown. Mid-term. By the way, he, he violated what they're for. That was not an emergency. He of created course. the problem. 
Yeah, he created oh, – please. Anyway, we could talk all day about the yeah. energy policy of this hapless administration. But it's all ideological. It's not practical. It's not have anything to do with the economy of the United States. It has to do with ideology of the climate nuts that inhabit the White House. But I don't disagree with you. I think replenishing it here in the 70s is a good idea. Now we'll move to Israel because they're just taking a beating for just defending themselves and the right to exist when we know that the goal of Hamas is for Israel to be wiped off the face of the earth. You know it was Golda Meir who said back in the early 60s, you cannot make peace with people that want you annihilated from the face of the earth. So that's why they deserve to destroy Hamas. Uh, You have Netanyahu with three prerequisites for peace. First, Hamas must be destroyed. Second, Gaza must be demilitarized. And then third, Gaza will have to be de-radicalized. I concur and I endorse all three. Thank you. Yeah, no, I don't disagree at all. And I think it's really preposterous that Biden accompanied by Antony Blinken yes. and Jake Sullivan, neither of whom, not, not, none of the three having ever served in the military, is trying to tell Israel's military leadership <clears throat> and the defense cabinet how to run a war. war. Yes. I mean, ridiculous. <clears throat> excuse me. Yes. That's okay. Totally ridiculous. You know, they're calling for ceasefires. Like, we would listen to anybody that would call for a ceasefire when we were fighting a war uh, against terrorism when they struck us on September 11, 2001. Our president said, we will find who did this. We will hunt you down. We will kill you. And anybody that harbors you, you will no delineation. You will be treated the same as if you did it. I mean, we had a doctrine. We had an actual doctrine there. And nobody was going to tell us we weren't going to do that. How do we tell these 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 good allies stop and then let Hamas reconstitute and recalibrate? Because, you know, that's what they will do. You give them any breathing room. You know, they will take full advantage. Israel tries not to kill civilians. Hamas tries to kill as many civilians. I mean, it's it's absurd what what the world and I say the world is called. Look at these votes that have taken place. The world is against Israel. Well, it's it's tragic, and a lot of it is because of the misreporting of what's going on there. Uh, I think it's extremely dishonest. The liberal media has decided to take Hamas's word for it, uh, how many people have been killed, and they don't report things like finding all the weapons in the toy store or in the hospital yep. or whatever. Um, it's it, This is a public relations war as much as anything else. And Israel is losing, and we are not helping. When Joe Biden talks about how Israel is shelling indiscriminately, or whatever the word was, indiscriminate was his word, a shelling or whatever, firing, that does not help. And I don't believe it for a minute. I mean, Israel has conducted this war giving warnings to the civilians and Hamas about where they're going to go next, what is vulnerable, what is not, trying to protect innocent people. There is nothing innocent about... Hamas, not particularly even their supporters. So I don't have enormous sympathy for the people who are cheering the deaths in Israel on October 7 and October 8. Uh, I'm sorry that innocent people are getting killed, but I don't know. Frankly, I don't know how many have been killed. I mean, 
you know, Biden questioned that at one point and then apologized. I think we should all be questioning that. Absolutely. Final minute. I wish we had at least two or three. I want to talk China, Taiwan. As you know, since the Chinese Civil War ended in 1949, uh, Taiwan has um, enjoyed its independence, a, a hold on to it. It's fragile, as you know. You have China and Xi Jinping telling President Biden in San Francisco, hey, by the way, we're taking taking Taiwan back. And I'd like to do it peacefully, but we're doing it anyhow. He's restated that and doubled down on it in his uh, Mao speech that he just gave on Mao's 130th birthday. This is Biden again asleep. Afghanistan, Russia, Ukraine, China could just scoop right in there. Final comment. Go. Why, Why wouldn't they? They know that Biden isn't going to do anything about it. I mean, it took, what, 100 attacks on American troops and finally some casualties before Biden decided even to blow up one ship or one deep arms depot or whatever. It's ridiculous. The man is so – has no backbone. He will not defend America, and he certainly will not defend Taiwan, and Xi Jinping knows it. Liz, thank you for a great 2023. I've enjoyed all the times that we've been able (sighs) to speak together, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Thank you so much for having me on. Take, Take care. care. We'll be back. She's Liz Peek. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. A show so good, it's hard to describe. It's not a matter of, it's a matter of, you just, oh, in the club, I mean, um, as, as, and, uh, you know. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. You know, so, uh. Welcome back to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon with Frank and Josh. Harry Hurley filling in today for Jimmy, who will be back very, very soon. This was decided earlier today, and you're going to hear different states that decide these things differently. Some will directly decide it. Some state at the highest level of the courts will agree not to take uh, a challenge by someone or a group. And then by not taking the case, then they settle it that way. So you're going to see different states do different things. But one thing is clear. When you hear people say, oh, well, every state's different. It's 50 states and it's like 50 different countries. Yeah, but guess what? It's one country. It's one United States of America. It's one United States of uh, uh, Constitution where Antonin Scalia said such brilliant things as that the Constitution says what it says and doesn't say what it doesn't say. And he has another very famous uh, quote that I also love that should be recited uh, with great regularity uh, as it relates to what's going on today in the um, state of Colorado, where they decided actually to convict a person, an American citizen, who has never been charged with the offense that they have convicted him of, And then, this is really fantastical, then they meet out the political equivalent of a death penalty. So in other words, the Colorado Supreme Court offered no due process, what some call self-executing, kind of like what Engeron has done in New York in the civil case against President Trump where he found him guilty and then we'll have the trial later. I mean, this is stuff that's just never happened before. Trump was not able to subpoena witnesses. He was not able to subpoena documents in Colorado. And they find him guilty. They had to find him guilty of insurrection because 
they went to Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, where it doesn't even appear it does not appear that President Trump is even a covered employee under the um, 14th Amendment. Section 3 didn't stop them. And so the United States Supreme Court must they can't take every case and they're going to get sick of Trump and Trump stuff in the next year because there's going to be so much coming their way. But some of it they got to take because you've got 12 other states that are trying to do the exact same thing. Now, Michigan, to their credit, they punted. Trump will be on the primary ballot. Remember, there are all these general election ballots that we haven't even talked about yet. New York Congresswoman Claudia Tenney joins the program next. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Welcome back to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon with Frank and Josh. Harry Hurley filling in today. Jimmy will be back in the very near future right after the holidays. U.S. Congresswoman Claudia Tenney joins us on the Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Newsmaker Hotline represents the 24th Congressional District in New York. Congresswoman, welcome to the program. Well, thank you for having me on. Happy New Year's coming up. Happy New Year to you. It's great to to be with you. I want to begin something that I know you're paying attention to. Uh, Republicans did very, very well. You could probably make the case that the thin majority that you have largely because of Republicans overperforming in New York, having a great result. And now, of course, Democrats don't like that, to quote Rocky Balboa, none too much either. Uh, So they're going to gerrymander wherever they can. They don't like the redistricting. So they're going to redo all that because they want to they want to rig the game every which way they can. That's about right, isn't it? That is exactly right. And this is what happened in 2014. The New York uh, New Yorkers, and that's a two to one Democratic state, actually passed a constitutional amendment to take redistricting, reapportionment, the decennial uh, reapportionment out of the hands of the left wing legislature in Albany, the capital of New York, uh, one party rule. And they said in 2014 in a statewide referendum We want this to go to an independent redistricting commission. We think gerrymandering is cheating. We don't think partisan gerrymandering is a good thing. And this is Democrats, by the way, because that's New York. Mm -hmm. So uh, but that wasn't good enough for the Democrats last year. They came out with an extreme gerrymander when the independent redistricting commission was stalemated. And it went to the New York's highest court, the New York State Court of Appeals. And all democratically appointed judges, and I would say left-leaning, probably very liberal judges on New York's Court of Appeals, saw the extreme gerrymander for what it was, and they overturned it and appointed a special master to create the new districting lines. And that is for Congress, the New York State Senate, and the New York State Assembly. Uh, And the special master came out with lines that were considered fair, which is what's part of, uh, at least more fair, which is what's part of the new legislation. And interesting in that, you know, that there's New York lost the seat, too. And it's, it's a, just a testament to how bad liberal policies have been in New York for a long time. New York once had 45 congressional seats in the 60s. We're down to 26. And so with the 26, the Democrats gerrymandering, and this is interesting to, to see the difference, Harry, there were going to be only four Republican seats and all the rest, the 22 others, were all going to be Democrat seats. When the Independent uh, Redistricting Commission or, or the uh, special master who drew the lines came out with the lines, we ended up with 11 Republicans 
uh, Republican seats and competitive seats, by the way, which was the goal and the mission of this legislation, this constitutional amendment. And, and so the Democrats didn't like the results because you know why? They don't like democracy. They don't like what the voters have to vote in. And so they overturned the will of the voters and they sued the Court of Appeals. Uh, the dissent in the Court of Appeals decision is really incredible. Talks about how the statute of limitations had already expired for bringing this, this claim, everything about it. But you know what the Democrats, they're smart. You know what they did? They bullied the chief justice who sided with the fair lines, with, who sided with the constitutional amendment uh, from, the, from the last round. And they put in place a judge who was going to do what they wanted. This is a judge on the New York Court of Appeals, the chief justice, a once venerable court, who actually wrote a decision granting habeas corpus rights, those are rights for human beings, to an elephant at the Bronx Zoo. And this is the leader, the chief justice of the New York Court of Appeals, who, of course, came up with some convoluted scheme in order to overturn uh, the, ca the, the case that uh, put the fair lines in place, overturned and just stuck it in the face of the will of the two-to-one Democrat state in New York who wanted to see fair lines. And now we're going through redistricting again, unprecedented, also against the New York Constitution, which states uh, that, that we, we only have uh, redistricting once every 10 years. Now, unfortunately for us, the, 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 uh, the states get to decide, which is in most cases probably not a bad thing, but with, with justices like this in place, we are not we don't have an opportunity to go to the US Supreme Court. So we'll see what our chances are. But at this point it looks like they're gonna do another gerrymander and we could potentially lose seats. And yes, the majority of the House of Representatives right now, you know, in, in the federal side. And that's dangerous because we are really the only thing standing. The House majority of Republicans, very slim majority, only two seat majority at the moment. We are the only thing standing in the way of authoritarianism, communism an open border, uh, disastrous foreign policy, and everything that's going on with the Biden administration. And, uh, and, and Chuck Schumer, who is the Senate Majority Leader, also from New York, is sitting on just a pile of great legislation that we passed in the House. Sure. And that's why this narrative was so important. Claudia Tenney, one of the strongest voices in America today in terms of fairness. You know, it's so amazing. All Republicans want, Congresswoman Tenney, is for things to be fair. That, 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 we don't want uh, unfair advantage. We don't want to cheat. The other side, they want to take every advantage. And this is why people need to pay attention state by state when rules get changed, how you vote. Uh, the, the, they get these positions, Secretary of State, boards of canvassers, boards of election. They're all different names in different states. This is where Democrats are really playing three-dimensional. Absolutely. Well, look at what it is, is abuse of process. Yes. Uh, malicious prosecution in some cases, especially some of the cases against President Trump. Uh, Attorney General Letitia James in New York bringing Awful. a phony case against Trump, costing him money, dragging through him through the courts. You know, not legitimate and with a goofy judge and everything we've watched transpire down there, probably unethical when it comes to judicial conduct, 
some of the actions of the law clerk, you know, those would be considered yep. unethical under our ethical considerations. I'm a lawyer in New York, so I can tell you, I know that, we, you know, these are bad things that are happening in New York, and it's all to destroy our system of government. It's lawfare, as they call it, but I prefer abusive process yes. and malicious prosecution because those are legal terms, and we should be fighting back on all of those things as Republicans. And the American people, regardless of party, should be aware that it should not be whoever's in power gets to abuse the justice that's right. system. You know, you, that's exactly what's going on in New York. Congresswoman Tenney, you as an officer of the court, you know this all too well. Our system – remember when Speaker Pelosi, when she was your speaker, and she said President Trump deserves his day in court so that he can prove his innocence. This is how sick these people are. They do not believe in the presumption of innocence. Trump is guilty to them. He is given an opportunity to prove he's innocent. And in Engeron's court, he was found guilty before he even had a chance. Hey, you're guilty. Well, and then we'll have the trial. I mean, this is Stasi. This is this is Soviet. Right now, Putin has 30 opponents. Uh, there's, I think, 29 opponents. There's 30 total. Putin is the only one that's approved to be a candidate. They knock all the other ones out. This is what they're trying to do. They're trying to knock their opponent out. Exactly. Well, to think about this, Letitia James ran for attorney general on getting Trump. Yes. I'm going to get him. I'm going to prosecute him. That is totally unethical. You cannot run as an attorney general with the faith of, the, of New Yorkers in your hands with providing you know, equal justice under the law and run on this campaign yeah. of going after a citizen. Well, you, by of, the way, you just, you, just, you just read my mind, Congressman Tenney, because okay. my next question was going to be, when in your lifetime, as a lawyer or as a member of the House of Representatives, have you ever heard of someone as a candidate announcing that she couldn't possibly have any case? She's not the, the uh, attorney general. She's a candidate whose platform was, I will get Trump. I will convict him. I will get everyone in his orbit. So what they're doing is this is also like uh, Stalin's henchman, Beria. Show me the man. Uh, I'll show you the crime. She had picked a person and then she went to find a crime. Exactly. You know, Harry, this is not just unethical and inappropriate. She should be disbarred. She should have oh. her license taken from her for this kind of behavior. This would be a direct violation. And that's what we need to be pursuing. But then you go to the Ethics Committee of New York State Bar Association, and they're all left-wing judges who all agree right. that we want to take Trump out anyway. Right. Any so they won't ever sustain a charge against her. of our laws. Right. They that's will not sustain scary. any legitimate charge against her. Absolutely. This is part of what the problem is. And I think a lot of people get complacent around the rest of the country when they don't see what abusive process and what an abusive government looks like, like the state of New York, least free state. We have abusive gun laws. We have abusive tax laws. We are among the highest. I think we are now the highest tax state. We have huge unfunded liabilities. We have an open border. Eighty five percent of the people on the terror watch list are coming across the New York border. We had an incident just yesterday with uh, migrants coming across with drug trafficking, human trafficking, you know, disrupting our, 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 our border agents uh, just, just, just yesterday. So we have a lot of issues going on, and yet our border agents are so overwhelmed. They don't have an opportunity to, to deal with what the issues are. And I, I'll tell you, this is a really great analogy because I went through a tough election in 2020 where I spent 100 days in court. Uh, before I was finally sworn in uh, yep. with dealing with the pandemic election. You know, what we're doing to our Customs and Border agents and people who are doing, you know, the good work, you know, 
answering that call to serve in such hard jobs with people with eradicated diseases that are coming back, whether it's tuberculosis and all a number of diseases that have been identified, violent criminals, people with uh, that are being trafficked, the terrible things they're seeing, the fentanyl, the dangerousness. You know, they, we do the same things to our election officials. They are overwhelmed as well on purpose because the more overwhelmed they are, the more difficult it is for them to do the job, the more the lines are blurred and the easier it is for the Democrats to just push people through who they want to get elected. And that's exactly what happened in 20. 20. So when the Democrats put out this mantra, oh, there was no fraud in the election, or right. they, as their term is, widespread fraud. Right. It didn't need to be widespread fraud, just enough in the three swing states. This is why when I introduced you, I said you're one of the most important voices in America because you have an ability to effectively communicate truth. Because we have to listen to things like our press secretary, the president's press secretary, Corinne Jean-Pierre, say it's Republicans that won't fund the border. She's blaming you. How how rich is that, Congresswoman? Well, this is the tip. This is just the this is the progressive Democrat projection. They project everything they're doing. They're projecting. And so then when we finally get a chance to. Uh, investigate them like we're doing uh, on the Ways and Means Committee with the whistleblowers coming forward and all that we're doing to, to really track down on Biden's corruption, Biden using his position to enrich himself and his family, using his beleaguered son, the son with a terrible drug problem, who obviously isn't qualified to do any of these international jobs and appointments he's been made. But this is what they do. They project it. And then when it comes to when we actually catch them, they say, oh, well, you're just, you know, you're guilty, too. And this is just more, you know, we, we're not any different than the Republicans. It's the same kind of they try to make this standard this that oh well you know president trump's being sued everywhere so that means he's a criminal well no we have a right to be innocent until proven guilty right yet the democrats have condemned president trump everywhere all these lawsuits that are all unwarranted you know if we were to do the same thing as republicans i I would you know look president obama allegedly has you know, unclassified or classified documents in a, in a warehouse in Chicago. President Trump, under his attorney general, they never prosecuted Hillary Clinton, James Comey, right. uh, Lisa Page, Peter Strzok, uh, Loretta Lynch, and all these people who are violating our laws. Why didn't we prosecute those people? Right. But, you know, they right. try to make it look like there's an equivalence. There isn't. They right. are violating our laws. Just because you get sued doesn't mean you're guilty. Yeah, they charge him, then they say he's charged. Wow, that's that's a really a great game. Let's play that all over the country. And Comey, remember when he said no reasonable prosecutor would would charge? I mean, but I guess unreasonable prosecutors do charge, and we don't ever hear anything about the Biden uh, special counsel. No Americans don't even realize he has a special counsel. But of course, this Jack Smith, he's in there every day. And oh, by the way, if he could have charged President Trump with insurrection or inciting an insurrection. He certainly would have done it. He wasn't afraid to charge him of anything else that he wanted to charge him with. And look at what we've lived to see. You as an officer of the court, you as a member of Congress, me as a a citizen, we have now witnessed a court, a high court in a state, convict someone of something they've never been charged with and take them off the ballot. This should scare every American that this should not be possible in America. Absolutely. It's a very dangerous decision. It will it should be overturned in a nine nothing decision out of the out of the US Supreme Court. 
and 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 New York State is trying to do the same thing. And good kudos to uh, the Michigan. Yep. Uh, their highest court actually turned this down. And yep. but other states, there's almost a dozen other states that are considering this. This is how desperate the Democrats are in really just, you know, taking the justice out of our justice system and making it about their raw lust for power. This is these are power grabs everywhere, an attempt to prevent any any Republican, especially President Trump, from getting yeah. elected. But let me tell you something. It isn't just about President Trump. It's about every Republican that could be elected. And it's also about individuals. Can you imagine the average citizen, the person that's just doing their job? If somebody like this that is so maliciously uh, uh, motivated would prosecute and could put anyone they didn't like in jail, yes. you don't, you're not a Democrat, you go to jail. You don't agree with my views, you go to jail, or we condemn your beliefs. It's just the opposite of everything we stand for, innocent until proven guilty, free speech, even hate speech, you know, the so-called hate speech, unless it incites violence. But, you know, the speech that they describe as hate speech is people who have maybe, you know, deeply held religious yeah. beliefs. Or disagree, or disagree with example. them, Congresswoman. <laughs> exactly. Just disagree with them. With the wokeness and the, and yeah. the new agenda that they have. Uh, and, and, you know, they're really just they're really just, it's, it's very scary. It reminds me so much of, 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 of as you say, the Soviet Union, the old days of authoritarianism. Yeah. And, and we see history repeating itself. But yet we have such a uh, decentralized media. People aren't sure where to go. And they have the Chinese controlling TikTok. They've got uh, social media outlets everywhere that are also manipulating uh, the truth, by the way, in the news. And final and, seconds. And America. Go ahead. I was Ameri just saying, preventing American people from getting the news they need. So this is a tough thing, and finding the truth is is a, is a very very it's a very challenging time for all of us. Tour de force appearance, United States Congresswoman Claudia Tenney. Love the job that you do. Great to present you today. Happy New Year to you. Thank you so much, and Happy New Year to everyone, all your listeners. It was an honor to be on your show. Keep up the great work. Awesome. Uh, wow. <laughs> I I just have to say. That's why I introduced the congresswoman the way that I did. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I enjoyed it. It was an unbelievably interesting experience. Welcome back to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon with Frank and Josh, Harry Hurley filling in today for Jimmy, who will be back very, very soon, right after the holiday. I want to give you my quick take on why what Michigan did today, their highest court, the Michigan State Supreme Court, why what they did was so important. And keep in mind, they didn't do the opposite of what Colorado did. Colorado physically voted. Seven Democrats, four appointed by Hickenlooper, all voting to find that President Trump violated Section 3 of the 14th Amendment of the Constitution. Therefore, that he's guilty in their eyes of insurrection, even though he's never been charged with that, and that he will be taken off the ballot. And, oh, by the way, even if you vote for him by absentee ballot or by – well, you won't even be on a ballot. If you voted for him by write-in, your vote doesn't count. This was so important. What, what Michigan did, though – they simply did not hear the appeal. They let a lower court ruling stand. It's good enough because the high court did weigh in because they didn't take it. But I want you to know that's the way they, they sort of punted it. We'll be back. Don't go away. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Fallon. 
live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Welcome back to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon with Frank and Josh. Harry Hurley filling in today for Jimmy, who will be back right after the holiday. Thank you, Jimmy, for the opportunity to fill in. Dr. Nicole Sapphire, talk about my father had a doctrine when I was a little boy. If you want something done right, you give it to a busy person. Dr. Nicole Sapphire was hosting Fox and Friends all weekend. The five yesterday, I believe, outnumbered today on Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon right now. The Fox News contributor, board-certified radiologist, and the director of breast imaging at MSK. That's uh, Memorial Sloan Kettering, iconic uh, hospital, cancer hospital. And uh, Dr. Sapphire is the director of breast imaging for the MSK Cancer Center in Monmouth, New Jersey. Very close to me, actually, not too far away at all. Dr. Sapphire, welcome. Well, I mean, I wouldn't give up a minute to be on the show with you, Harry. Oh, you are so kind. Happy, just belated Merry Christmas and almost Happy New Year. Thanks. I've enjoyed all the times that we've had the opportunity to visit together, and I know today is not going to be any exception. There, I don't know what to call this, some kind of triple threat, triple-demic. I don't know what they're calling it, but I know you're seeing it. COVID-19, flu, type A and B, RSV. It seems like the sick are all around us in big numbers. And and even a follow-up after, I don't even give you the first question, hitting you hard here, Dr. Sapphire, is that families are going through a repeat, like a second round. Like you don't, you felt like you got better, but now you got it all over again. Is this a particularly harsh winter or is this just normal? Harry, first of all, I think you've explained the last month in the Sapphire household. So the week before Christmas, the week before Christmas, both of my kids had flu. I actually had COVID. And I just swear that we have had some sort of upper respiratory infection for the last month. Yes. And now, is this a particularly bad winter? No. Winter and respiratory viruses go hand in hand. It's the same every single year. Some years, flu cases are worse than others, and that's based on this strain of flu, kind of similar to what we've seen with COVID as well. Thankfully, with COVID, each year, the variants have gotten more and more mild. Right now, we're seeing an uptick in COVID cases being driven by the JN1 variant. Thankfully, again, it's still just seeming like a more mild upper respiratory infection. The variant itself doesn't seem to be more severe. You know, people's severity is based on their own risk factors and their own existing immunity and how healthy they were going into it. Now, flu cases, we're seeing a lot more of influenza A. Influenza A seems to be a little bit more severe, at least it has been historically. We're seeing a lot higher fevers, especially in kids. They're lasting a little bit longer. You're also seeing RSV cases, and as we know, for a lot of people, RSV is just like a cold, but in the elderly and in infants and young kids, it can be severe. And then on top of it, we're even seeing mycoplasma pneumonia cases. But again, all of these things are things that we see every single year, and just the same every single year. It feels like a double whammy, and it kind of is. I mean, it's a tough time of year. How did the geniuses, and I, I really just think it's it's so hard to decide, like, what strain when they're doing the, the flu vaccine. How did they do? I got mine in October, uh, and I always get it. Uh, how did the flu vaccine go in, in terms of um, effectiveness this year? Yeah, so the good news is, you know, the other – 
side of the hemisphere tends to have their flu season before us. So epidemiologists really look to them to kind of give a best guesstimate on what the flu vaccine, you know, how it should be tailored for us. Each year it varies, and the effectiveness is anywhere from 30% in bad years and, you know, up to 60% in good years for not only just preventing illness, but also decreasing the severity. I mean, we've kind of sound like a broken record talking about this when it came to the COVID vaccine. Right now, it does seem that the flu vaccine, you know, has some efficacy. Is it great? No, it's never great. Hmm. But, you know, for people who are higher risk, you know, getting the flu shot, um, you know, even if it prevents you from getting it earlier on in the season or it just, you know, shortens the course of your illness, you know, every little bit helps. Especially because, this year with the influenza circulating. Dr. Nicole Sapphire on Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, just one of the greats. Now, in terms of COVID-19, because I think a lot of people now are just treating it like, like it's a cold or a super cold or maybe not even a super cold. What do you recommend? You may be somebody out there that's having it for the second time or the third time. What should someone do when they test positive for COVID-19? I would say if you're test positive for COVID-19, you know, similar to if you test positive for the flu or even RSV, you need to take care of yourself. First of all, you probably shouldn't be going to work if you're sick. Um, You don't want to get other people sick. I mean, yeah, you may feel well enough to go to work, go out, go shopping, go grocery shopping. But, you know, the people around you, maybe they don't want to get sick. Maybe they have more risk factors that you don't know about. So you always want to stay home, eat healthy get um, as hydrated as possible, stay in touch with your doctor. I mean, for the most part, especially with COVID-19, you know, it'll resolve, your symptoms resolve in a few days, and it really just, you know, you don't even necessarily need medication for it. Now, some people who are higher risk or have some risk factors, you know, there's Paxlovid, and there are some other things that physicians will consider, um, especially, you know, if they're worried about you. So I always say you should stay in touch with your primary care doctor um, and also just try to avoid being around other people. You know, no one really, that that makes you a Grinch during this holiday season. (laughs) If you go out knowing you're sick and you go out knowingly infect other people, that's not right. Now, I know, I think I know, you you know for sure, I think we were a uh, vitamin D deficient society. I, I don't know if that was more people staying in, more people using better sunscreen, you know, and really taking care and that we were deficient in vitamin D. Are you a fan during this time of year of taking sort of preventative even vitamin D, zinc, things like that, or only when you're sick? What are your thoughts? So it's a double-edged sword, our sun protection. With all of our sun-protective gear, we're decreasing the amount of vitamin D that we're absorbing from natural sources like the sun. And as a society in whole, we have decreased our vitamin D intake. And throughout COVID, we're also seeing decreased levels. And one of the things that continued to play out during COVID was vitamin D levels were directly correlative on how well you did with certain infections, particularly COVID-19. So it is important that you get adequate vitamin D. But, you know, before people just run out and go start taking supplements, I always say supplements should be taken with caution because there is such a thing as too much of a good thing. Mm -hmm. So I would always do it under the, you know, talking to a doctor. But absolutely, especially during the wintertime, I mean, I'm looking up right now, and it is just a blanket of gray across the sky. And so especially if you're in areas where the sun is not shining throughout the wintertime, yeah, you may consider taking some vitamin D supplements. Not only is it good for your physical health, but it's also good for your mental health. 
We're visiting with Dr. Nicole Sapphire on Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. You're a doctor, so I think people think that this is it's almost a silly question, but I want to ask it. Uh, do you recommend the COVID-19 vaccine? Do you recommend a flu vaccine? There are a lot of people that take both. There are a lot of people that take one and not the other, and a lot of people that take neither. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it should be completely taken on an individual basis. I certainly was never for a one-size-fits-all approach. Um, I treat the COVID vaccine very similar to the flu vaccine at this point. We have decades of research on the flu vaccine. So as we already mentioned, that it's certainly not 100% foolproof, but it does offer some protection, and that's been documented over time. I have a feeling when it comes to COVID-19, over time we will see that we'll – it also will have proven to have some benefit in certain populations, but I think on a whole that the entire population doesn't necessarily need it as we see that it doesn't really have a high efficacy in preventing infection. And in healthy individuals, it doesn't necessarily do anything to decrease the severity or mortality either. So it should really be based on a risk um, and individual basis. Do you find that if there's anything such as typical that there is a typical spike during the holiday season because of large gatherings and families that are all together and close knit only takes one right in the, in the whole crew, you have 10, 20 people and one person could just, you know, blow out the whole, the whole, you know, the whole household. Uh, Do, do you see a spike during the holiday season? Of cases, absolutely yes. you do. I mean, you, because of holiday gatherings, that's exactly what happens. You need one infected person, then they infect someone else. It doesn't mean that one infected person then goes and infects every single person in the room, but all they need to do is infect one other person from the other households that have now come together. And then they, they it, I mean, it's a domino effect. It just keeps going from there. And I think every single person this holiday season has seen that happen. A friend of mine got COVID-19, basically at the same event that I attended in New York City, uh, June a year ago. He is now exactly almost a year and a half to the day, got it a second time. With him, he felt that it was more severe the second time than the first time. If you to- And I know there's different strains and such, but if you tolerate it well once, can it be completely different another time? Yeah, I mean, you got to think about, I mean, the coronavirus, yeah, we did call it the novel coronavirus because it was new at one point. But we need to start putting it in contents of just about every other respiratory illness that we deal with. You can have a, you know, you can get the flu one year and it's completely mild and the next time it can be very severe. And that's because it's not the exact same bug every single time it mutates it changes and so with covid yeah you can have just a very little tickle in your nose one Mm -hmm. year and then the next year you know you could be in bed for three days i mean who knows and it also depends on where you're at as an individual based on your health maybe this year you're a little run down you're a little dehydrated you know who knows that that's exactly right i was thinking about that you could have been feeling really really well and had a mild case, or again, a different strain that your body handled better, and then you could be depleted. You could be run down. Maybe you're suffering from something else, and it's just coming on, and you've got, you know, a couple things going. So it can vary from time to time. It seems as though, and I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, uh, we focused too much on it at one point. Now maybe not enough. Uh, Neither would probably be the perfect, you know, sweet spot to be in, but it took so many people over a million Americans, and did it take the ones that it was bound to take? 
and it will take less from here forward. So we just don't look at COVID-19, you know, as sort of the death machine that it could have been. Are we taking it for granted that now it's like a cold or any comment about that? Well, absolutely. So first of all, if you think about 2020 and the winter of 2020-2021, the if you look at the demographics of the people who died, the overwhelming majority of them were elderly, over 80 years of age. Now, of course, they are more frail. They're significantly more higher risk. But you also had healthier, younger people who died of it as well. And why is that? Well, we didn't have existing immunity at all to this novel strain of coronavirus. Um, yes, we had seen coronaviruses in the past. They caused the common cold. But this is a very different strain of coronavirus. So there wasn't existing immunity. Now, fast forward several years, not only have we had vaccines, we've had boosters, and just about everybody has already been exposed to this virus. So we do have natural immunity as well. So when we have talked about getting to a level of population immunity, we're there. Now, unfortunately, because it's a coronavirus and it continues to mutate, it's not one that, oh, when you get it, you get infected one time, you'll never get infected again. That's unfortunately not the case. But the good news is you have circulating antibodies and you have innate and adaptive immune systems that recognize this virus now. And they're like, all right, we know how to handle this guy. And so maybe it's going to make us sick, but we'll get over it for the most part. So as you know, there's never been a coronavirus cured. It's, it's been a coronavirus's common cold is a coronavirus for those out there, the Fox Across Americans who never heard that before. Uh, and we hear things like a common cold. You don't think anything. When someone tells you they have a cold, you never think about that they're going to die or they could die. You just think they have a cold and they'll resolve in several days, something like that. Just make sure you, you know, drink a lot of fluid and this and that. Uh, are we to the point or will we get to the point where COVID-19 will be considered common? Well, I think we already are to the point. I think COVID-19 is common there. Of course, it comes with a little bit of, you know, everyone's still a little jarred from it because we all have a bit of PTSD from the pandemic. Oh, yeah. Um, But listen, you have to know, even the common cold, the other coronaviruses, the rhinoviruses, common colds can have complications. People can get sinus infections. They can get pneumonia. They can get septic. So we have to remember that just having the common cold, yes, for the overwhelming majority, it's very mild. And COVID itself at this point is going to be just like that. But there are always the possibility for complications, which is why you maintain a good relationship with your primary care doctor. And you just have to keep living your life as healthy as you possibly can. Dr. Nicole Sapphire, keep saving lives. I say that to my nurse daughter uh, all the time and proud of you, proud of the work that you do. And I wish you a very happy new year. Thanks so much, Harry. Happy new year. Great to be with you. We'll be right back. Please don't go away. Much more important content straight ahead because this is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. You're listening to the show that Standard & Poor describes as Standard & Poor. I would say he's incompetent, but I don't want to do that because that's not nice. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Welcome back to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon with Frank and Josh. Harry Hurley filling in today for Jimmy, who will be back right after the holiday. Let me uh, just give you sort of a triple header here, or as Rodney Dangerfield would say in Back to School, the triple Lindy that he did at the famous Steel Pier from one diving board to another to another. The triple Lindy, in case you're not a fan of the movie Back to School. Why do all these people have such a love, it seems, of Hamas? They'll say Palestine 
just just take a listen. No, I don't want to jade it in any way. Cut 20 is Susan Sarandon. Take it away, Josh. You don't have to be Palestinian to stand with the Palestinian people. You do not have to be Palestinian to understand that the slaughter of almost 5,000 children is unacceptable and a war crime. But evidently, she doesn't think that it's a war crime when Hamas killed thousands of Jewish folks and raped their women to death, beheaded uh, Jews, uh, cooked babies in microwaves and in ovens and otherwise killed innocent Jews. Nothing about that. And it continues. Cynthia Nixon, this is not Sex in the City. This is that awful show, The View. Cut 21, Josh. We've seen the deaths of over 16,000 civilians, Palestinians in Gaza, which include over 7,000 children. And to put that in some kind of a context, that is more civilians than were killed by the U.S. and its allies in almost 20 years of war in Afghanistan. And the images coming out of Gaza, the children who, are, who have no water, who have no food, who have no homes, who have no um, shelter of any kind, weeping over the, um, the bodies of their slain parents. Pretty amazing. Pro-Palestinian wing of the country. Macklemore, let's do the trifecta, cut 22. They told me to be quiet. They told me to do my research, to go back, that it's too complex to say something, right? To be silent in this moment. In the last three weeks, I've gone back and I've done some research and I'm teachable. I don't know enough, but I know enough that this is a genocide and we are scared. We are watching it unfold. We have been taught to just be complicit, to protect our careers, to protect our interests. And I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm not afraid to speak the truth. Well, that's your truth, but that's not the truth. Uh, Israel, a genocide was committed against the great state of Israel. They are defending themselves after a terrorist attack. How can you be so confused? This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Welcome back to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, with Frank and with Josh. I am Harry Hurley filling in for the author, Jimmy Fallon, the host of Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. The book, The Cancel Culture Dictionary, available right now at foxnewsbooks.com. Check it out. It's fantastic, as is Jimmy. Well, 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 thinking about some of the most pressing issues that I believe the Fox News brand does a great job with Fox News Channel, Fox News Radio at all, Fox Nation. They do a great job, but not so much the rest of the media, although I think the Democrat media is finally catching up. My theory is I don't believe they want Biden. So there is reporting that's going on, whether it's about the Biden family, whether it's about the border. I mean, for example, when have you ever heard in the past three years, nothing's any different it's been a crisis ever since Mallorca said it's not a crisis. Uh, we, we've had millions of people that shouldn't be in this country get into the country because the Biden doctrine is wide open border. Don't let them tell you anything different. But when have you heard MSNBC or any of the Alphabet Democrat networks 
cover it like this. Josh, cut 14. We saw large groups in Mexico about a month to two months ago making their way to the U.S. A lot of us knew this would happen because immigration isn't enforcing the laws inside of Mexico. So that's one thing. Another thing is these crowds here in Eagle Pass have never been this large during my reporting. This is the most people I've ever seen in Eagle Pass and other reporters, colleagues working other parts of the border in Arizona, in Hakumba near San Diego. Tell me the same thing. We have these conversations and the conversation is always, well, I've never seen this number of migrants arriving. And we know from the reports coming from the government with these numbers. So we have the number of apprehensions, the numbers of encounters, everything spiking. So we don't know what this will mean moving forward. We just know that the numbers are much larger. Interesting. He said a little while ago in this clip that we knew this was going to happen. Why didn't you say anything then? And it's true. These are the largest numbers But there have been numbers in this general area for three years now. Enormous. Remember, Jay Johnson, under Obama-Biden administration, said 1,000 was a big, big problem. 3,000 in a day was a catastrophe. How about 35,000 over a couple of days during Christmas? 12,600 in one day alone. What's that? Is that a uber, super duper catastrophe if 3,000 was a catastrophe a number of years ago? It continues. Uh, This is, I think, some interesting commentary as well. Uh, From Fox and Friends First, we grab this. Josh Cut 11. This meeting is really just a mere, you know, trying to create the pretense that they're doing something about this, you know, because they are starting to get a lot of bad press and a lot of political pressure to do something about it. So they're going down to do this meeting for for really just for for show to make it, again, appear like they're, they're taking this issue seriously. But in fact, they're not. Because the answer to this problem doesn't rely in Mexico. The answer is here, and it's their policies and their refusal to enforce the law that's created this absolute catastrophe on a daily basis. And so I have no optimism, although they will probably get some decent press and it may actually help them politically by doing this. That's Jonathan Fahey on Fox and Friends First, and he's exactly right. Keep in mind, the only thing we really needed from Mexico was what President Trump negotiated, and that was the Remain in Mexico policy that President Biden on day one, because every single thing that Trump did had to be wrong, even if it was right. So Fahey is exactly right about that. And it is something that I also have predicted for a long time. Now that we're inside, we're 10 months. We're not, you you think it's 2023, but the election is on November 5th of 2024. That's basically 10 months from now. So we're inside a year. And the Biden administration, they don't want, as people are going to the polls, for the narrative to be that for his entire presidency, he led an open border policy on purpose. They're going to try to fake us out. Jeff, uh, Jonathan Fahey is Jeff Fahey was an actor, is an actor. Jonathan Fahey is exactly right when he said that they're just going to try to make it look like they're doing something. Because if they can have Corinne Jean-Pierre come out like she always does and say there's no crisis or this president has done more than any other president in history, that we've inherited a broken system, all of it, just exactly the opposite of what is true. 
it was pretty interesting. Uh, MSNBC talking like you've never heard them before. I mean, they would never admit that there was a problem. Everything was great. How about this guy who's the mayor of a self-proclaimed, bragged all about it. Remember that guy, Kenny, in Philadelphia doing his little song and dance that we're a sanctuary city, singing it like a like a fool? Uh, Eric Adams was a gleeful, joyful mayor of a sanctuary city, which was once, and some still say, the greatest city in the world, New York City. Democrat mayor of New York, Eric Adams, in his own words. Cut 10, Josh. It baffles me. Uh, you know, New York City is the economic engine of the state and the country. Uh, and I don't have the answer. Back in April of last year, I was alone on this topic. Uh, but now you're seeing others uh, coming forward and saying, you know, hold on, Eric is right. Uh, and they're joining us. And our coalition is, is going to continue to grow because these cities deserve better. And I'm not only talking about New York, uh, Chicago, Los Angeles, El Paso, Brownsville, uh, you know, all of these cities, Houston, you know, cities should not be handling national problems. Difference between woke, which Eric Adams is, and woke and broke. The mayor that he mentioned, Mayor Brandon Johnson of Chicago, listen to this incredible transference projection, they call it, where he's trashing Governor Abbott. It's unbelievable, but they say these things. Josh, cut 15. We have a governor, a governor, an elected official in the state of Texas that is placing families on buses without shoes, cold, wet, tired, hungry, afraid, traumatized, and then they come to the city of Chicago where we have homelessness, we have mental health clinics that have been shut down and closed, you have people who are seeking employment. The governor of Texas needs to take a look in the mirror of the chaos that he is causing for this country. This is not just a Chicago dynamic. He is attacking our country. What a radical man. Now, he says that but he knows that just the small amount of migration that he has had to deal with compared to what Governor Abbott has had to deal with, it's, it's not even comparable in any way. So this is what they say. They project the transference trick, the what you're guilty of, you accuse someone else that you perceive as an opponent, an adversary of them being guilty of it. This issue of immigration, I know what the Democrats are going to try to do. They see that in the midterm election, they were losers on the economy. They were losers on immigration. They were losers on horrifically bad foreign policy decisions that have been made. Every measurable thing, inflation, everything, losers on everything, What do they do? They leak the abortion early decision and they run a complete campaign on that Republicans want to take a woman's right to choose away. They ran the abortion issue with great success because they had nothing else. They had to drive a wedge issue because they were literally absolute losers on every single issue that was on the minds of the American people. But they turned that, I have to say, into a winning issue. It kept the Senate, which they would have lost probably by at least two seats. And I 
believe that the House would have probably we would never have seen Kevin McCarthy taken down because it wouldn't have been such a small majority. He would have had probably a three dozen seat majority, which none of what happened would have been able to take place. And there was some ground lost at that time when Democrats got away with saying, look, Republicans can't govern govern. It was very, very challenging what went on when we come back. This is going to be a lot of fun, Frank. Josh, and they're going to let me play. That makes me very happy. The three of us will bring it home in the next segment right after this. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. A show so good, it's frightening. I got scared. I dropped my hot pocket. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Welcome back to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon with Frank and Josh. Harry Hurley filling in today for Jimmy, who will be back very, very soon, right after the holiday. And gentlemen, I have been looking forward to this segment. Frank, Josh, and I will talk National Football League. Frank, you get the opening comment. All right, Harry. So let's look at the NFL landscape right now. Injuries have been crazy all year long, especially to the quarterback position. True. So, Harry, can you tell me how many teams are starting the same quarterback they started on week one and have started every game for their team? Oh, my gosh. All right. I'll, I have to do it really quick because I don't want to eat up too much time. Eagles, Jalen Hurts, Dallas Cowboys, Dak Prescott, that's two. Uh, Brock Purdy got knocked out, so he missed some. Came back strong. They had a three-game losing streak when he was out in Debo and uh, their other stud, uh, McCaffrey. Uh, I'm just going to throw a flyer out there and, and, and just agree with you that it's exorbitant. I'm going to say five teams have their starter all season. It's actually more than that, surprisingly. It's 13, 13 teams. Seems like more. So the Broncos and Washington announced today that they're not going to start uh, Wilson and Howe wow. the rest of the season. So go. that brings it down to 11. And like Ooh. you said, Purdy's you know, got that stinger this past week. So that could bring it down to 10 going into week 17. So out of 32 NFL teams, we could only have 10 that are starting the same quarterback going into the end of the season here. And as you know, in the NFL, that's why the quarterback makes the most money. Uh, It's the position they pay for. Look, they used to pay big for running backs. They don't pay big for running backs anymore. It's a quarterback-driven league. All right, so let's ramp this up. First, a comment from Josh that I'm going to double down on something. Josh? Yeah, so it's it's definitely been a very strange season because every time you think you've got the slam dunk team, no matter what, this team is going to take it to the house. They've won two games very convincingly. They're going to just keep going. We've seen it with the Dolphins. We've seen it with the Chiefs. We've seen it with the Eagles, the Dallas Cowboys. Every team, San Francisco Forty Niners, every team is, Baltimore has seemed like yeah. they've started to hit the ground running, and then they slam into a wall. I, so that's uh, that's the really tough part. Who is peaking right now that probably won't do well come playoff time? Well, I, I like the question until the last part because now you trick me, not trick me, but stump me. The team that's playing well right now with only two regular season games to go and they're going to get a bye to start the, the playoffs, as, as a lot of NFL fans know, because more teams make the playoffs now, only the top seed in the AFC and the NFC get the bye. So that's going to be Baltimore. 
and it, I think it might still wind up being the Niners unless Purdy is hurt. Uh, then I give the Eagles a really good shot because they just have to beat the Cardinals, and no offense to Giants fans, uh, present company included. Uh, I think the Eagles will win out and will finish 13-4. and four. It might be good enough, or it might be good enough for a tie, and they lose a tiebreaker right now to the Niners or the Detroit Lions. They lose a tiebreaker to the Niners because head-to-head they lost to the Niners. They lose the tiebreaker to the Detroit Lions because of common opponents, which is kind of cruel, uh, weird way to, to do that tiebreaker, but you got to figure one way out. Um, I, I think the Baltimore Ravens right now look at a different level than the rest of the league. I'm thinking about how well San Francisco annihilated, I'll call them my, I don't usually say that, my Philadelphia Eagles annihilated them, and they got annihilated by the Baltimore Ravens who look faster on offense, faster on defense. Brock Purdy threw four interceptions, got knocked out of the game. I, I say the Ravens are the team to beat right now. I don't see any let-up in them. Okay, so Harry, let me ask you this. It, we're almost coming to the end of 2023. So what's yep. your last prediction for who's going to be in the Super Bowl right now as we speak? Which oh, two teams? Well, it's going to be easy for me to say the Baltimore Ravens. Although you got to say, even though they look terrible right now, and I mean really terrible, the 9-6 and six Kansas City Chiefs, who Mahomes has never had to play a playoff game on the road in his entire career. Think about that. That's fantastical. I'm going to say the Baltimore Ravens are a Super Bowl um team i don't see that changing and i want to be a homer and say the eagles but i think as long as as brock purdy is healthy and mccaffrey and 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 uh uh zebo i think the niners and baltimore and it might not be competitive i think the baltimore ravens are just head and shoulders above the rest of the NFL, both conferences. Okay, so you're thinking a rematch of what we just saw. I think so, which I don't want to see, but I think so. I don't think it's going to be Detroit, uh, and I want it to be the Eagles, but I don't know at this point with the way that they have played. How about you, Josh? What do you think? If you had to guess right now. I mean, if I had to guess right now, well, I mean, you know, to all forgiveness to the people down in Texas, but the Cowboys will find a way to mess things up yet again, um, so they won't be there. I just, with the Ravens, I just don't know with Lamar Jackson. I feel like he's now been in this league long enough where he's starting to get the Peyton Manning curse, the schneid. Like, mm. he's, he's got to get the monkey off his back somehow. Interesting. And actually do something in the in the, in the the playoffs to, to show me something. So I, I don't know about the Ravens. I like the Dolphins, but then they go up and down. I, I you know. Yeah, I meant to actually include them. Uh, not as a Super Bowl uh contender but certainly they've had a good season but i agree josh they've had an up and down season uh frank are you comfortable hearing that the ravens will be the afc uh team that will be playing in the super bowl i actually don't i i like josh i have hesitation with lamar jackson i think the defense is great i think the offense has been really well but when you're in the playoffs, it's a different lean. It's a different stress. There's a different and, type and, of pressure. And that's and, where Andy Reid is really good. Right. So, if, so if I, they might be built for the playoffs. You know, there are teams like that. The Phillies kind of built for the playoffs. Don't do as good during the regular season. Beat the Braves. The Braves are built for the regular season. Phillies in baseball built for the playoffs. I agree. Kansas City Chiefs, if they can get it.
it back together, but they really look discombobulated. I mean, I've never seen Mahomes look this bad. See, so many people get to him, and uh, uh, Kelsey just looks terrible. I'll give you days. my prediction just real quick. Yeah. I think I'll be the homer for you. I think the Eagles will go back to the Super Bowl. Oh, I hope so. And my surprise pick, I think the Bills are going to be in the Super Bowl. I well, think they're the, going to come on strong, make the playoffs, and take everybody by surprise. So far, that's the best comment of our segment. I know we're almost out of time because the Bills are the team nobody wants to play right now. They are good. They're really good. And their fate is in their own hands now because of some things that went very, very well for them. Uh, wow. Uh, Josh, anything real quick? Yeah, real quick. I think it's Dolphins-Eagles. I think that's what it's going to wind up Ooh, be. I'll take all of this. Notice the only guy that didn't say the Eagles was me. It All right, I'm going to say, say I'm going to say it too. Eagles. We're going to make it a, a three for three with Frank and Josh. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in free-fall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.